King Saul really had it in for David. He was envious. He was afraid that David would steal his crown. And the king thus gathered 3,000 men to go hunting for David, to do him in. David had to flee for his life. David had every reason to hold a grudge against Saul and to desire revenge. Saul was trying to kill him after all, but when he had a few chances to kill Saul and claim the crown as his own, like the one in today's first reading, David did not take the opportunity. Instead, he showed Saul that he meant him no harm. In that, he prefigured his descendant, Jesus Christ. Nobody had more reason to hold a grudge or to seek revenge than Jesus. He was the most innocent person ever, condemned to the most gruesome death. Yet as he was nailed to the cross, he labored to utter, not words, words of rebuke, but words of forgiveness to his executioners. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He did not return hatred for hatred, but rather love. Just as he had preached to his disciples during his earthly life, in returning love for hatred, we see Jesus giving us a plan for ending a cycle of hatred and violence. And his disciples, the saints throughout all the centuries, they listened. A few kind of random examples of saints that really exemplified this came to mind. Saint Stephen, he was the first martyr. He was being stoned to death, and as he was dying, he forgave those who were ending his life. Saint Maria Goretti forgave the man who attacked and stabbed her. Saint John Vianney, patron saint of parish priests, he was slapped across the face by a man who disliked his efforts to clean up the town of which he was the pastor. And the saintly priest merely paused. He turned to the man and smiled and said, My friend, the other cheek is jealous. And the saint wasn't just being funny. He was so visibly sincere, the man who had hit him felt sorrow for his action, repented of his sins. And of course, remember how St. John Paul II was nearly shot to death in 1981 and that he then went and visited the shooter in prison and forgave him. In the communion of saints, we have an abundance of examples of what forgiveness and holiness look like. And Jesus commands us repeatedly in today's gospel to imitate them. He says things like, Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. Do to others as you would have them do to you. But all too often, of course, uh, we fail to follow Jesus' Jesus's advice. And instead, we maybe hold on to some grudges. Sometimes we hold on to grudges for years over things that are maybe infinitely less serious than the martyrdoms and persecutions that these saints readily forgave. Maybe even it's something as small as a harsh word was, that was carelessly spoken to us, but it cut us to the heart. Or maybe we felt kind of snubbed and ignored by someone and were upset about that. Or maybe someone gossiped and spread some nonsense about us. 
or maybe something was stolen from us. Or perhaps, like King Saul, we see another person as a threat to our position. And as a result, we dislike them. We hate them. In the words of St. Francis of Paula, pardon one another so that later on you will not remember the injury. The recollection of an injury is itself wrong. It, is, it adds to our anger, nurtures our sin, and hates what is good. It is a rusty arrow and poison for the soul. It puts all virtue to flight. So for the good of our own mental health and spiritual health for our communities, our families. We should try to heal divisions and put past hurts in the past. And as we do, we should keep in mind that in this respect, fairness doesn't really matter. Even if we have been wronged, we should do as St. John of the Cross advised, that where there is no love, pour love in, and you will draw out love. Or as St. Augustine said, that if you are suffering from a bad man's injustice, forgive him, lest there be two bad men. I thought that was a good quote. After all, if we don't extend forgiveness to our neighbor, can we expect Jesus to forgive us? He did say, after all, the measure with which you measure will in return be measured out to you. So let us try to forgive and let us strive to go even further to love our enemies. This doesn't mean, though, I've got to say, that we can just forget, that we can just choose to forget something that happened. And it doesn't mean that we now approve of some evil that happened to us, as if it didn't really matter. It doesn't necessarily mean that we're going to come to like someone if we're loving them. It doesn't mean that we're going to be their buddies. Uh, but it does mean to will, to seek the good of the other. It means not wishing them harm, but wishing the other person well, as in praying that he or she will be helped by God to repent of whatever that is they need to repent of, and that they'd be blessed by God. And if we can offer that sort of a prayer, I think God will be very pleased with us. Sometimes, though, if somebody's really hurt us, that's kind of hard to do. And one suggestion I came across is this, just to ask Jesus to forgive the person on our behalf. We can even use our imagination and, and picture ourselves and our enemy standing together before Jesus, and we ask Jesus to forgive the person for us, and imagine Jesus turning to the enemy and saying, you are forgiven. It's my prayer that we can all find the grace to do just that, and Let's, let's not be like Saul, you know, envious and wishing harm on another. Let's try to be more like David or Stephen or Maria Goretti or John Vianney or John Paul II, all the saints and Jesus. Amen. <laughs>